Every quarter or so, normally uh, we do it on fifth Sundays, uh, when there's five Sundays in a month. We keep the kids in, uh, we give the teachers a break, and we teach in a way that um, is more accessible uh, to kids. A couple of warnings, though. This does not mean that you adults can just tune out and check out, okay? Because sometimes, many of you have come to me afterwards and said, Thank you, I, re I really got that message. <laughs> it makes me think. But anyway, um, it's good. It's good for us to, to have simple things, to, to remember and understand, to have illustrations for things, uh, to, to drive them deeper into our hearts. So this is for uh, everyone this morning. We believe at Redemption Hill that the discipleship of future generations is primarily uh, the parent's job in the home, but secondarily, it's the church's joy to, to participate in that. And so uh, we're okay with the Sunday where there's a little bit more noise than normal and if kids need to wander around in the back and we're okay with that because we want to invest in future generations and feel that together, uh, that burden as the body of Christ, okay? So I'm going to grab a few things here to set up in the meantime. Um, sorry, our stage is a little wacky this morning with our our decor, which the teams have done a great job with that, by the way. We give them thanks for that. So we are going to be in, later on, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, that'd be great. Um, and what we're going to do this morning is a little bit different. During um, Bible Adventure Week, we looked at the life of Paul. And so we, we had the opportunity to look into his life a little bit. And uh, put our lives on hold. We got dressed up in togas and did some other things to be back in the city of Athens, is where we were this last week, looking at Paul's life. And he um, obviously is an apostle. He's someone who is sharing the gospel. And we just learned about his life, that he, his burden to share the gospel, and also a lot of the troubles and the dangers and the joys that he faced along the way. So that's what we looked at. And this morning, what I want to do is to try to combine two different things. I want to uh, go through the gospel in an illustrated way that you, maybe you haven't heard the gospel before, and this will really help things click for you, or you have heard the gospel before, and this may help you understand it more, or it may help you to explain it to someone else by having an illustration to use, okay? So we're going to do that, kind of a what is the gospel, but we're going to incorporate the life of Paul. And there's going to be four stages that we're going to have to the gospel. And the third stage is where we're going to spend a lot of our time. That's where we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So a little different than normal this morning, but uh, we think it will be helpful. So let's talk about the first stage here. We meet God the Creator. Okay, so our illustration this morning is going to be that of a pot. Pot, and so we have a pot here. Okay, first stage of the gospel is God is our creator. Uh, kids, do any of you remember the very first day of Bible Adventure Week? There was a, a statement we said that God is, and then we explained that. Does anyone remember what that is? Uh, yeah, Canon, do you remember? Yes, God is a perfect and loving creator. Good job, Canon. By the way, on all Family Sundays, when I ask questions, they're not normally, uh, you know, I'm actually asking questions, so you can feel free to respond, okay? I know there's kind of a weird thing there with preaching, but that's how that goes. Um, so, this pot is brand new, right? 
It's, uh, I actually got it from the store just a couple days ago, and it's in really good shape. And so where did this pot come from? Did this, or do, did it grow on a, a plant? Where did it come from? Hands, kids, anybody? Yeah, Aaron in the back. It came from the store, I told you that. You're right. But before that, where do you think this came from? Yeah, Shayla? Some company made it. Yeah, see, I wish we were like lived 100 years ago. Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, let's assume that I went to a really high-end store and spent a lot of money <laughs> on this pot and someone handcrafted, poured hours and hours into this. Yes, uh, the rest of you are correct, but that's kind of what we were looking for. This came from a potter, right? From a maker, from someone who sat at a wheel. I don't know if you ever did this in high school, you adults, but uh, tried to make stuff. It came from a potter. It, it came from somewhere. Now, what are, what are these pots for? Kids, anybody? Yeah, Bryce. Holding plants most of the time. You might have other decorative stuff, but holding plants. And there's lots of different kinds of pots, though, right? There's skinny ones, and there's really fat ones. There's really tall ones. There's really short ones. There's all kinds of, of pots, but they all basically serve the same purpose, which is to house plants or to have plants in them to help them grow. And that's a bit like what we're like as human beings. We uh, are all made by one creator, all for one purpose, really, which is to glorify God, to glorify God. That, uh, that means to enjoy God's worth and to make others know his worth too, to make his, his glory public. That's what glorifying God means. And that's what we were made for, even though we're all a little bit different. We have different shapes and sizes and different gifts and different personalities. We all have that same fundamental purpose. Listen to Isaiah 64, verse 8. It says, but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. That's what we're saying. Now, what if this pot woke up someday and decided he wanted to have a different purpose? He wanted to be a toothbrush. And he saw tooth, toothbrushes and he just envied them. They were different colors. They had bristles. I mean, amazing things. And so he wanted to change his purpose. Could he do that, do you think? He couldn't really do that, huh? And if he tried to do that, if he tried to brush your teeth with a pot, it wouldn't, you wouldn't, well, you wouldn't have a job for very long, right? Because it would be very hard and very rough. You see, the pot has been assigned a purpose by the Creator. And there's not, there's not other things, really, that he can be other than what the maker, the potter, had. And that's the same with us. We have been assigned purpose. We don't find our own purpose. We're given purpose by a creator. And so the pot's opinion doesn't really change the purpose of the pot. Listen to Romans 9, verse 20 to 21, when it's talking about kind of this silly conversation between a potter and a pot. And this verse says, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded, that means this, say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? And then he asks this question, Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? So this is basically it's saying a lot of things, but one of the things it's saying is that the potter has the right over the pot. 
So this is where our good news message starts. We have to start with an understanding that God is our creator, that he made us, and our purpose is assigned to us. And that purpose is to glorify him or to make his glory known, both in our hearts and in the hearts and minds of other people. Our second thing, our second stage, is a broken pot. Kids, do you remember what happened with the pot that Athena had? last week. Remember the pot she had in front of her? Um, yeah, Levi, what happened to that pot? Do you remember? It broke on. She was so sad because she was trying to piece it back together and she was trying to make it work. Have any of you kids, well, actually I didn't include adults in this question too, but have any of you ever broken something like a pot or a dish or a glass or anything like that? All four of my children should have their hands up, but anyone, <laughs> anyone done that? When you do that, I don't know if you felt like I did when I was a kid. When I broke something like that, I just thought the worst part was I couldn't fix it in time for mom, you know, before mom got home. And there was no way that I could repair it because there was a million pieces of glass on the floor or clay on the floor. And it was this hopeless feeling because you can't put it back together. They're ruined. It would be like trying to take the red out of an apple or the, there was slime that the kids made this last week, and they put glitter in it, taking a little glitter out of the slime after they had done that. And in the third chapter of the Bible, it says that human beings broke. We broke. Instead of obeying for God's purpose and living for him, we chose to be separate from him, and we thought that we could do that. And that's called sin. And we not only sin because we want to be separate from God, but we want to stay separated from him. We have a nature that wants to continually sin. Listen to Isaiah 29, verses 15 through 16. It says, Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me. Or the thing formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. What Isaiah is saying is, how silly would it be for a pot to question the potter and to act for the pot to act like, ah, I know what I'm doing, I've got a handle on this, and to not defer, to not respect or submit to what the potter is saying. And so human beings, we human beings are very much like pots. When we break, we cannot put ourselves back together again. We have to be remade in order to start Again, and people think that, and I thought, and you have, you're thinking or have thought that if I could just get away from God and if the pot could just inch away and escape and kind of run for the door, that there would be freedom there. But what would happen if this pot jumped off the table? It would break, right? And in trying to be free, it actually would destroy itself. Because it's not meant to be free in that way. But that's what, exactly what we as human beings do. We try to figure things out and have, go our own way. And in the process, we end up breaking. Now, I have another illustration. And I need a volunteer for this. Um, preferably an older volunteer who won't sue us. So, uh, <laughs> Sophia, do you want to come on up? Not that you won't sue us, but 
If any of you are insurance, look away. Okay? So you can stand over there, Sophia. So what I'd like you to do, I have a bucket with a brick in the bottom of it. And I'd like you to take this pot and just drop it into the bucket and let it break. Are you okay with that? <laughs> she looked at me like, are you sure you don't want to ask my parents about this? Like, what is going on? So, and when you break it, just kind of, you, you got to hold it kind of up here and then just drop it in the bucket. And then let's, uh, you might want to turn away after you drop it. Okay? Just so we don't get anything in our eyes. Does that make sense? All right, let's see if we can do it. Go ahead. Good job. See, you had, you had the funnest job of the morning, huh? Good job, Sophia. Thank you. Okay, so our kids, kids don't try this at home. Stage number two is our broken pot, which is now here. Okay? This is what we mean when we talk about the brokenness of, of human beings or the brokenness of sin. There's a helpless situation. This pot cannot put itself back together again, right? And we know that. And that's what Scripture says about our position. They can't glue themselves back together. They can't live out for their purpose anymore, right? Because now they can't even hold a plant. They're just a pile of shards. And so this second part of the gospel sets up the third part that we're going to spend our, most of our time on, which is that we need a Savior. We need someone to come in and repair What's happened? And this is exactly where the good news gets fantastic, you guys, is that we go from this to stage number three, which is being restored again. Because the Bible says that God decided, instead of leaving us here, which he could have done and been just, he decides to send his son, which you could think of in terms of the potter becoming the pot, or the creator becoming the creature. He's adding a nature. He still remains to be God, but he's adding a nature unto himself and limiting himself by becoming a human being. And Jesus did exactly what we couldn't do, which was to live a perfect life. And he lived that life up to the point where he was crucified and he actually died, even though he was innocent, as a way to be uh, transacted or traded for God's people, for the sins of God's people, to pay the punishment that we deserve for our sin. There's an exchange that happens. Jesus did not deserve to die on a cross but he did so that he could be traded with us so that we could be put back together again. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and death and sin clearly hadn't won, and he hadn't broken in that uh, final way. Now, what's great about this is that what God says, if we agree with God about all this story, that he is our creator, that we have sin, and that Jesus came, and what Jesus did can make us right with God, if we believe in those things by faith and repent of our sin, that we can be united to Jesus and take on his shape. And this is actually where we met Paul. If you remember Paul, he was a guy, does anyone remember what he did before he became a Christian? Any kids remember? Yeah, Xander, what did Paul do before becoming a Christian? He was mean to Christians, huh? Yeah, he was part of the mob that would go around and hassle them and hurt them. And God stepped in and made him new and chose him, chose him and made him an apostle of all things. Uh, and so Paul is kind of like this pot. Okay? Now this took a little bit of work. And I haven't used hot glue before, but my goodness, this stuff is miracle juice. 
And so now we have a pot that is put back together, sort of. It's a broken pot. And Paul, uh, if this represents Paul, Paul is being remade. Okay? And this is where we're going to pick up our passage this morning. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, and we'll actually stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll read this together and hear what he has to say about um, being this kind of broken pot. Here's God's Word. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. It says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Amen. You could be seated. So we learn a couple things about being this broken pot. Okay? For one, we, we hear about this treasure that he talks about in the very beginning. But we have this treasure. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about this, this good news message. Okay? This good news about Jesus, that it's, he's come to understand that the beauty of Jesus, who he really is, he's changed his ways, and now he's, he's saying that understanding that message and being a, uh, someone who shares it is like having a treasure, okay? If, the, um, if this were a little treasure, okay, it's made of pure gold, I think this is what he's talking about, okay, treasure, but he's saying, uh, we actually, we know that because of verse 6. We know that that's what he's talking about when he's referring to the treasure. Because in verse 6 it says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's contrasting what it's like for people who can't see that as unbelievers. They've been blinded by the God of this world with those who can see that. And he compares it to creation. All of a sudden, light is given to us, and we understand through the Holy Spirit. So that's the treasure he's talking about, okay, that God shines in our hearts. So as a result of that, I'll light this candle for us to help us to remember that. That's my blowtorch of a thing. Okay, so this is the treasure, and this is the, the light that God gives us to see that Jesus is glorious, that he's beautiful, that he's compelling, that he's worth all of our lives and more. Okay? And that's what this treasure is. And Paul is saying that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, kids, what do you normally keep treasure in? Hands. What would you keep treasure in, do you think? Michaela. Locked things. Yeah, maybe today we would put it in a bank right? So it's safe and secure. What's, what's interesting about this passage is that this treasure is in a weird container. It's in a jar of clay. Now, what this would have meant to them in that day is it's a very normal, everyday, 
inexpensive, not very impressive thing. So you'd have this incredible treasure in this cheap, ordinary little thing. Now, if you were going to carry around $100,000 um, in some way, you might carry it in a, a certain kind of thing, right? You probably wouldn't carry it around in a, maybe a cardboard box like this, right? That would be kind of funny. You might carry it in maybe something like this. It's a little more, a little more fancy. It's got a little thing for a lock if you want to put that on it, okay? So it, what Paul is actually doing, he's actually surprising the people who are reading his letter and think, why on earth would he put this really valuable treasure in this pot, and not only a jar of clay, but a broken pot. Why would he do that? What is Paul thinking? What is he up to? Well, he has a reason for doing that, okay? He is, what he's doing is he's comparing this jar of clay to what people are like, what he is like, what other disciples are like. And what he wants to say is that it's not that people aren't special to God, he's not saying that. But he's saying that people are not what make the treasure valuable. People are not what make the, the message great. It's not packaged in a way where you go, oh, wow, I really want some of that. Right? You probably think, why haven't you thrown this away yet? And so that's what Paul is after. He wants us to understand that the value of the treasure isn't necessarily reflected in the, the value of the pot, or in what the pot is looking like. Now, he's going to say, we're going to say three things by using this picture, okay? He's, the first thing he's saying is that what matters most is the treasure. What matters most is the treasure, okay? And Paul has been telling the truth about the gospel to people, and a lot of times it means that people don't like what he's saying at all. And so earlier, he says that, quote, that he refuses to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. Instead of um, trying to make the message seem greater for some reason by, by adding things to it or by dressing it up a little more, that, that by changing what God says, maybe so that people will like his words a little more, Paul says, I resist doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And he's humble and he knows that what, what God is saying is, way, is what matters way more than what people think of his words and think of his message. Okay? And so that's what he's saying. That what matters most is the treasure, is the first thing. When you get a present, you might, some of you adults might admire wrapping and the people who wrapped it, right? But for kids, it's just an obstacle, right? I mean, you... If, Wrapping paper is just a formality. Cards are just a formality. We try to tell them they're not, but that's what kids really think. And they rip open the package, and then the box is in the way. And then you get the box open, and then the packaging of the toy itself is in the way. And you need a master's degree to, to like get it open, right? And it's just all this stuff is in the way, but, but a kid never thinks. And that factory did a fantastic job of wrapping this toy. I mean, I've actually thought that, I think, <laughs> oddly enough, but kids, that's not the way that they think, right? The container is not the, the focus. It's not the object. It's not the point. And in the same way, Paul is saying, the container is not the point. 
He is committed to keeping the message consistent, even if people want to kill him for it. Because he's committed, he believes and knows that this is the treasure. This is where the value really is. So that's the first thing. What matters most is the treasure. The second thing is, he's also comparing himself to this pot because he wants, to get, wants God to get the credit for him being put back together again. He knows that he was here. And now because of Jesus, he was restored and put back together This last week, we learned a lot about all the difficulties that Paul had. And two other times in the letter of 2 Corinthians, Paul lists the things, the sufferings that he goes through. Spending the night in the sea and being thrown in jail and being beaten up and being called names and everything that you can think of happens to him. But he says, you'll notice in verse 8, We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. He's saying we're struggling, but we're not crushed. We're confused, but we're not hopeless. We're mistreated, but we're not alone. We're beat up, but we're not dead. And why does he say all that? Because it shows that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to him. The fact that Paul lasts, the the fact that he endures, the fact that he's able to tolerate these things is a testimony to the glue Not to him. It's a testimony to how God put him back together again and restored him and gives him joy in Jesus and allows him to suffer the things that he suffers because of God's surpassing power, not because Paul is a really tough guy. Okay? It's amazing what God can do, even in the life of this man, the things that he put up with. uh, He's, in a lot of ways... um, Just showing the power of God. In in some mysterious ways, God uh, makes sure that that Christians uh, don't break. And by that I mean they don't give up and forsake the gospel and and leave Jesus. Those who are truly Christians. He, He does things and he ministers to us by the Holy Spirit so that we get all the way to the end, the last pot that we'll see in a minute. Okay, so that's the second thing. Paul wants God to get the credit for putting him back together again. The last thing is that Paul is simply doing what Jesus has already done. Paul is just copying Jesus. He's showing us that following Jesus means living like Jesus did. So in verse 10, you'll notice he says, always, why why are we doing all that? Why are we being forsaken or struck down? Um, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested In our bodies, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You see, Jesus made himself weak. Jesus was struck down. Jesus died and was forsaken. And he was given over to death so that you and I might be put back together and have the possibility of being put back together. And he was resurrected. And this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's willing to suffer in the ways that Jesus suffered. He's willing to say things that are unpopular the way that Jesus was. And to what he calls dying every day. And putting others before himself. And tolerating suffering. It's not, he didn't literally die every day. It just means he suffered in this way. And he did that so that Jesus' light would shine through him. 
So in the end, all these cracks in the pot and all this weakness and all this suffering and all this difficulty, Paul say, he actually says that all those things allow the light of Christ to actually be more visible. Okay? So if you put this in there, it's actually the cracks in the pot that allow for the gospel to be seen and known. So this brokenness that we first think is in the way, it's just a, it's a bummer. It's something that's going to keep us from, from glorifying God, our original purpose. It's actually part of the way that God sets up for the gospel to be shown in our lives is through suffering even, and through difficulty, and through following the model of Jesus and what he did. Okay? So that's the third thing. Paul is simply doing what Jesus had done. So Paul wants to make sure um, that the treasure uh, is the most important thing. Okay, He makes that obvious. Then he wants God to get the credit for him being put back together. And, and third, he's actually just doing what Jesus had done. And as a result, the light of the gospel is shining. Okay, Now, we're wrapping up here. What does this mean for us? Okay, Three things I want to point out. One, the most important thing about us is whether we have the treasure inside or not. The most important thing about us is whether we have the treasure inside us or not. And by that I mean, do we understand the gospel in a way that is saving? Have we actually understood our broken condition before God? And have we actually put our trust in what Jesus has done in such a way that you've essentially said, my life is about him and for him? And if those things are true, then you you do understand what the treasure is. But then, as this pot, what an incredible privilege as a broken, crummy pot to carry this kind of treasure. I mean, think about all the ways that God could have announced what he's doing in the world. I mean, he has full access to every marketing material, every resource. He could do anything that he wanted. And he decided to place the treasure of the gospel in people and have them share it with other people. That is baffling that he did that. Think about that. Think about what that means for our lives and and how we approach Monday morning at work and and how we handle ourselves around the home and all those things. The treasure of the gospel has been given to us and we are now carriers of that gospel. How silly would it be for this little pot to try to get attention over the treasure, right? Right? Look at how impressive I am. Look at how I can live for myself. It would just be ridiculous, right? I mean, this, I think, cost me two bucks at Home Depot or something. That would be silly. If this is literally filled with treasure, then we are not the point. And that is really good, good news. Because we have this treasure of the gospel inside of us. The second thing is that only cracked pots carry treasure. Only cracked pots, not cracked pots, but cracked <laughs> pots. I know that's why you're snickering. I thought about that. 
Kids don't repeat that phrase. We'll explain it later. No. But only cracked pots carry treasure. Isn't it interesting that God actually takes the things that we try to avoid and uses those things to make the light of the gospel more prominent and obvious? And that the fact that we are are, are pressed down and that we suffer and we still endure means that God's surpassing power is on our lives. Do you see how shallow it would be for us to say, God, give me a life without cracks. Give me a life without suffering. Give me a life without difficulty. You would not know in the same way the surpassing power of God. And that's valuable information that we need. Only cracked pots carry treasure. Shining lights to others requires cracks. That we would not be ashamed of weakness. That we would not be ashamed of being thought fools. The message of the gospel is foolishness to the world, the scripture says. And yet we are surprised when people look at us with puzzled expressions. It's because of the nature of the message that we're sharing. The last thing that it means for us is that the cracks will be fixed. The cracks will be fixed. This is our final pot. Ooh. Far better pot than what we started off as. But anyway, I won't push the analogy too far. <laughs> um, but there, this is temporary. And the light of the glory of God, he it will no longer come through evangelism and those things when he returns. And we're with him in glory. And we are given resurrection bodies and experience everlasting resurrection life. So one of the things that just kept coming to me this week is I'm looking at all these kids thinking these are beings who are going to live forever. Not just 75 years uh, that we know, but forever, and cracks will be fixed. Not only that, but some of the, some of the time the cracks and the suffering and the, the, some of the difficulty of following uh, Jesus is is the way that we experience the resurrection life. You'll notice in the text it says that. In verse 11, for we, who are, uh, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So some of this is we actually experience the res- uh, first fruits or the first signs of resurrection through these sufferings and through this difficulty. But these cracks will be fixed. It's important to remember that God doesn't owe us anything. And so it's, it's not like I'm saying to you, well, sacrifice, 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 and God will pay you back. That's not what we're saying. Our sacrifice or our, our brokenness or our suffering doesn't put God in our debt. Because it's our privilege to experience Jesus' life in that suffering, in, in that difficulty. But these cracks will give way to glory. Brothers and sisters, that will happen. And that's the final stage of our process here. And Paul knows that now, right? He's aware that all this brokenness and all that difficulty that we read about in 2 Corinthians 
was just pales in comparison to what he's experiencing now. So I hope this is helpful, uh, that God is our creator, that he made us, he's, our purpose is his. We are bro- hopelessly broken because of trying to be independent of our potter. And the only way that we can be restored is through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and repenting of our sin and trusting in what he has accomplished, not what we can do to impress God. And even though that involves following Jesus and brokenness and suffering and difficulty, God uses those things to conform us, to shape us into the image of Jesus and also to make the gospel known to other people. And that will result in final resurrection and restoration. That will be brand new bodies jumping for joy, singing Oh Happy Day every day for 10 billion years plus, 10 billion years. That's where this all ends. It's simple. It might be something that you understand, but it's something worth glorying in and delighting in. It's something worth sharing, too, as we've had the uh, opportunity this past week. So why don't we pray as we get ready uh, to conclude with the final song. Oh, God, we thank you for your mercy. It is bottomless, and it is... Um, the way that we have uh, been restored to you and returned to you, God. That though we were completely broken and hopeless, you pieced us back together again and remade us in the image of your Son and are continuing to remake us until that final day when you will finish us off and we won't be um, maturing from one degree of glory to another, but we will be um, perfected through your, your work of grace. God, I pray that you would help us as, as clay pots this week, as, as broken vessels uh, before you, that, that, God, we would humble ourselves, that we'd think differently about the, the, the importance of our lives versus the treasure that we contain in the gospel. And I pray that, that uh, through uh, following Jesus' example of, of dying and of, of Paul's dying every day, that we would indeed find joy and find resurrection life in following him regardless of the results. We pray that the seeds planted this last week in Bible Adventure Week would grow. We pray that your saving work would be on each and every kid who came. We want to see Jesus glorified by every tribe and tongue and nation. God, that's our earnest and our heart's cry. And so would you, would you answer that prayer by changing individuals and, and specific faces that we've met this past week. God, stir us up, use us for your purposes, help us to have a renewed perspective because of your word, and help us to experiencing your, experience your surpassing power this week. In Jesus' name, amen.